Hello, everyone. This is Molly from the Casually Molly Podcast, and I just wanted to introduce you to my friends at the Natty Cat. This one is for you cool cats and kittens who can't get enough of wordplay and fur babies. The Natty Cat's natural soy candles feature inventive scent combinations and glass jars with clever kitties on the labels. Hand-purred with locally sourced natural soy wax, the Natty Cat's candles woodwicks create a cozy fireside crackling sound, perfect for curling up on the couch. Remember, for all of your candle and scented oil needs, please visit our friends at the Natty Cat either on Facebook or Instagram. Have you ever wanted to get your shit together? Scrap it, look through the lens and capture it. But first world problems are getting you down. Disabled, salty, need an app to fix that frown. <laughs> well, you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. She drops another casual eye. You're tuned into Casually Molly with Molly and Boogie. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie. Remember that you can always casually subscribe to our podcast. You can go on any streaming services, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. I will be casually available. Uh, But I am really excited about our guest today. She is a St. Louis native. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. I was about to say. Born and raised. Born and raised. In this wretched city. (laughs) Yes. See, I already (laughs) love the personality that we've got going on. I'm also a fan of her music. So let's give it up for Bates. Yay. <laughs> uh, Bates, so again, I have never met you in person. So I really appreciate you coming and taking the time to sit down with me. And what we were talking about, this is showbiz, guys. We were just talking about this. And then Ed said we're ready to record. Um, I actually saw you talk at a panel for Jazz St. Louis, which is located right here for those of you who are non-St. Louisans. Um, This is a place called Jazz St. Louis right in the heart of Grand Center. Mm -hmm. And it was a musician named Terrence Blanchard. Uh And then there was you. Uh And then that's what I was saying. There was this other woman who was a violinist. Violinist. Uh Yes. And I thought it was very cool because I felt like all these different music genres were represented and I loved that rap was one of those and I thought what I really liked about you was that you and maybe this is just like your personality or maybe you like grew into this you can tell me your whole life story in a second okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you are so sure of the music that you create and the story and the message that you want to come across that it's almost infectious so I went to an open mic over at I don't know if you're familiar with the heavy anchor at yeah all. okay I, I did I've actually did a uh, one of their guest acts I was one of the oh, guest acts oh get out this probably the same year I got this sweater oh. Bates was just talking about earlier she was like oh my god I wore the same sweater like three years ago today and I was like oh okay cool I was like I just wore this jumpsuit for a dollar so like we're just wearing these clothes um but that's so funny because so I don't know if you know Chad Wallace uh yeah yes so Uh he runs the open mic there and Chad was like hey like because I was kind of running a little bit behind and he was like where were you and I was like oh I was watching um, this panel 
channel and I said, Are, do you ever heard, have you heard of like Bates? And he's like, yeah, Bates is the shit. I was like, he's like, everybody knows who Bates is. He's like, what a small world. And I'm like, yeah, like she had this great talk and <laughs> the best part about it was everybody was really honed into what the discussion was and you can get into that in a little bit. But somebody said something like, not necessarily negative, but just like something that was just like a little off key to the whole discussion. Yeah, I and, think it yeah. was that it was an older, older yeah. white lady. And she was <laughs> yeah. like, basically, she kind of like was pretty, it, it seems like she didn't have have a, a, a basis of what hip hop actually is. Right. Like, and she was like, oh, so rappers are saying things like this in your music type of thing. You know, I can't remember exactly what her question was. No. But it was kind of like a doubtful question that, you know, that this was a movement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was like, I just, I don't even remember what her question was or what your response was, but it's always funny, like even, and I guess that's why like, you know, sometimes like language can just be through like physical and like, you know, just like looking. But I just remember how you handled it so well and just like answered the question, but at the same time, we're just like, I am very sure of my brand and who I am. So like, this is how this answer is going to be. <laughs> and the whole room, like, since we're in like a very like, um, just like a different venue, a different demographic, like everybody was just very silent, but you could just tell <laughs> they were like, yes, good job, Bates, way to answer it. But it went super well. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about you, because I have a bunch of different stuff about you, but Let's talk about your background because I have I, I, a lot of stuff is from your website. So mm -hmm. I feel like you're going to be like, oh, I wrote this. So it's okay. <laughs> Let's talk about you being born and raised in St. Louis. How did we get to where we are today? Man, it's been a lot of different things that I got to experience by living in St. Louis. It's been some of, the, some of the greatest things, some of the worst things all at once. So St. Louis is super, super temperamental. Mm -hmm. It's one or the other with St. Louis. So like um, my family is actually um, based like pretty much south side actually right up the street from up okay. the street from here like by slew and stuff mm -hmm. so this was before slew had all the had bought up all the property and all this other stuff yeah. my family actually still has their every every one other my under my grandmother's bloodline still has their houses wow like the rest of the block can't say the same but everyone still has their houses my my mother is uh one of nine children she's the oldest sister mm -hmm. nine children and um two girls before me and I have a brother from my father mm -hmm. who was pre previously married yeah. before <laughs> before he got to my mother so I am the baby of the siblings um that kind of like the experience between being like in like this super black super hood ice cream tr truck run down the street roll down the street every five seconds type of thing uh jumping jumping rope in the street playing all these random hand games and stuff like to culture shock my parents moved to once after, right before they got married they've got a house on Hartford and uh Gustine. okay so totally different neighborhood right got this big pretty house like it was a lot of racist white folks over there it was pretty tough mm -hmm. um for you as for me as a kid I didn't realize how tough it was for me as a kid until I became an adult and started reflecting on the things that were happening back then like things that I did not get you know um, uh, I don't want to get all the way into that because it was a whole bunch of different shit. Okay. <laughs> but, but I will say, um, I, another culture shock was coming out of St. Louis public schools into public magnet, like McKinley Classical Junior Academy, Kenora Classical Junior Academy. All those kids is mean, man. Kids mean as hell. Like, I don't know what it is about smart kids, but smart kids are like 
way beyond <laughs> the level of mean <laughs> that not so goddamn smart kids are, right? <laughs> so it was like, whoa, I wasn't used to that. Um, so I kind of dealt with a lot of like just trying to figure out who I am and figuring myself out because I was constantly tested. It was like, you don't talk black enough. You don't act white enough. You're not white. You don't, we don't even know if you, your hair is too long. You, you, I got, you, you live in this pretty house. You're not from the hood. Like, it was a whole bunch of different wow. things, even though my family is like the hood, right? Mm-hmm. This is the only hood that really actually mattered on the south side. You right. know, other than the dark side, you know, you have Vista. So I guess that was early age. I was heavily influenced by my parents and my sisters with music and my brother. I can't mm-hmm. forget about him because he's actually the most, he's the reason why I rap today. But um, my parents collect old school music. Okay. I'm talking about everything that you can possibly think of. And they were the first people I ever seen with one of those like jukeboxes where you can program yes. the music into it. Yes, yeah. They had one of these big jukeboxes, like CD player jukeboxes. They still got them to this day. And um, my, my, all of my mother's siblings and other fam- friends of the family and family members would come over with all the kids every weekend. And they called it the damn basement. Oh. It would be like a party every weekend, playing all this old school. Oh my, can I be invited? This sounds awesome. I'm pretty sure. Like you never know who the fuck you find up. Kind of hurts. Like I don't know if this is happening anymore, but if it is, this sounds pretty cool. <laughs> you never know who you find in that situation. Like yeah, we would wake up on New Year's, there'd be people laying on our lawn. Like this was crazy back this, then. Wow, I'm talking about crazy. My parents party, but they worked during the day, and on the weekend it went down. Like hey. then work hard, play hard. My sisters were heavy hip-hop heads. My oldest sister was one of those, like, 80s babies, 90s, 70s babies who liked that breakdance, yes. <laughs> type music. And then my other sister, Camille, rest her soul, she, had, she was more into, like, Tupac, Twister, the more lyrical type of people. Mm-hmm. Then my brother came along and showed me the difference between what it was to be real and not. And that is what changed everything. It was like I realized that I could be more impactful with the things that I say. It's not just putting words together and making it sound good. Like, it has to come from a real place. And at that time, I was actually being bullied heavily at school. Like, this is in high school. I was, like, one of the only people, like, out the closet on accident. Yeah. I didn't out myself. Somebody else outed me. Oh, wow. So it was, like, hella uncomfortable freshman year. And I was, like, two grades up curriculum-wise, so I was in class with all seniors. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, <laughs> it was like, I don't know. <laughs> it was a pain in the ass. Like, they picked on me so bad. So, like, once my brother got a hold of me, he just knocked all of that fear out of me and all of yes. that. And, and then me you, writing with him is what really changed how I, how I approach life in general. I just was way more confident coming out of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Fast forward into, like, my rap career, like, I started in a group. Fast forward from that, left from the group, went to, went solo for seven years. Like, we're kind of in and out of groups mm-hmm. for seven years. And then, boom, I decided to drop a solo tape. And uh, I dropped a solo t- solo mixtape called The Great Debates. Yes. And when I did that, that's when people started paying attention to what, like, who the hell is that, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a transition, and then getting to where I am now with FanFest and all this other stuff that I do, like, it's crazy to have that much influence, and it's all because 
you were getting bullied in high school, you had some had, had to do something to like balance that crazy shit. Oh, right? absolutely. Like I I think that's why I do comedy because not that I was necessarily bullied, but I think what got me to at least just be liked by people was just having a personality because I right. was like, you know, I wasn't the most attractive and I had braces and it was just it, it was there was a lot of things that and you I went to a private school, so there was a lot of smart kids yeah. like you were talking about and like for somebody like me who was in dance and stuff you can be very sensitive to people's comments like that yeah. and yeah. so i was like oh but what if i'm funny like if i'm funny yeah. in class people are gonna love me it actually worked <laughs> out that's how i managed to get friends at the senior year because yeah. i was so funny and i was also, I also paid i was also able to play the smart card because they didn't they weren't able to pass their classes, and I was, like, doing people's homework. Oh, my so God. So it was, like, I, I'm the reason why a lot of you motherfuckers graduated, <laughs> just so you know. Bates has spoken, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she put some words together. She put some grace together. I did, like. man. It's some people that walked across the stage knowing that they wouldn't go make it if, they, if I didn't do their final, their last homework. Like, they had, so it was definitely a, a, a transition of me trying to find myself. So throughout that I did, you, I was... I was class clown senior year. That's yeah. The singular superlatives. I was class clown. Look at you. There you go. I was in. I was in theater too. I did speech and debate. Oh, shut up. What? I played basketball all four years. I was in choir all four years. So, like, I what said. do you not do? What's going on here? <laughs> uh, I got some words for that. <laughs> it's a few things I just don't do, but but <laughs> you just got a resume. That's why I just love. But. Um, I mean, not to interrupt you, but, you know, since you do have, like, such a resume of different interests that you had, why, so, you know, you said your brother is very influential and in you rapping and being yourself, but why rap? Like, what what drew that out of all the interests you had? What drew you to being a rapper? I think really because it changed how I view myself. I saw myself a little bit more powerful. I, I was more powerful, powerful for the first yes. time mm -hmm. uh, through hip-hop. People actually listened to what I had to say and liked that I had put something together that I did. Like, I was in choir for all those years, of course, and I had been on stage for many different things. I was in musicals and all that stuff. None of that stuff resonated with me, you know, even though I was, like, super active. I'm talking about I was very active in school. I was mm -hmm. always in some somebody's club on somebody's field trip. I mean, that's how you get to field trips. Get out of class, you get into a whole bunch of different stuff, and then mm -hmm. you can go on field trips. So rap ended up being the way that I... How I bossed up on the world is how I changed my own perception of myself through music. And then down the line, it became a more political, a politically charged yeah. type of energy. And I can, then I realized I can use rap for whatever I want to do. Like what if I want to be funny, I can do it in rap. If I want to be sweet, I can do it in rap. If I want to be depressed and sad and I got to get out of that, I can I can put that in the rap. If I want to. If I'm angry, I can put that in the rap. I can say the wildest things. Like comedians can say things, mm -hmm. you can say it in rap because it's excused based on because people don't think that's your, that's your actual reality, mm -hmm. you know. And so people, so let's just say I say a really harsh line. It, it people will be like, "Ooh, that's dope," but they don't know that somebody really pissed me off. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a way to like it's completely an escape. And I honestly haven't been writing as much as I used to. But now that, like, time has been freeing up more, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, because now it's getting more organized. I'm getting back to my structure because COVID threw it all the way off. But Oh, yeah. Well, I feel yeah. like that's the one. Well, we'll actually talk about that, too. Like, so COVID has been kind of a thing that's thrown off a lot of artists. Like, both, like, you know, we were talking about, like, theater, even in comedy, it's been kind of a way. Um, what's, what has it been like with the rap industry? What has been going on there? 
man, man, you can all the way down from the people making who were making millions and millions of dollars all the way down to people who aren't getting paid for shows or getting booked, hardly ever getting booked. All of us have taken a hit. I can't see, I can't even think, even a Beyonce is taking a hit, you know, and majority of our revenue comes from being on stage. So, and merchandise, and especially an independent artist, it's merchandise, stage, pe- website, it's like your, your uh, social media influence, those things are the most important. So, if we can't get on stage, and, we, if, and getting on stage is the primary place where you sell your merchandise, yeah, then where's the money coming from? Because we're not getting it in streams. Yeah. 0.00074 cents per stream. Or point zero seven four on uh, what was, the highest is point zero eight or something like that. Yeah, that you'll get that you're getting p- per stream, meaning that eight hundred people would have to play your stuff before you get a dollar. Yeah, and that's basically the issue that we have been balancing out by being on stage. So, like you saw me perform, you see, I mean, you see me talking to people like these are opportunities that we're not getting right now because everybody's social distancing and mm-hmm. it's been really hard for this transition for a lot of people, especially me. Like when COVID hit, like I bartend by day. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was working at the new place, Takashima Records, mm-hmm. and I was working at the Hilton, right? And I had just started Takashima Records and was planning on leaving the Hilton and going to Takashima. But the whole reason why I was doing that was because I was working with a lot of different uh, venues all at once. So I was working with Cherokee, a lot of venues on Cherokee Street. I was working with the venues on in, in the Grove. Yeah. So all of those mixed together, I was planning on building like this coalition of place of where we where it's not this divide anymore. Right. To provide more opportunities for Black artists, right, and Black LGBT artists, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ended up happening was the world shuts down. So when the world shuts down, not only did all of that end, because I lost both jobs oh, in like, like three days. Yeah. And then I ended up, fem, all the FemFest events, yeah. all of my own live shows. And I write for this uh, company called The Chair Voice, where we write the, cheer, the, the vocals that go on the cheers. Mm-hmm. All of that ended because you can't go in the studio and right. record anything. Mm-hmm. So... All of that ended all at once. So it was like, whoa. But at the same time, it gave me like a mental break that I I absolutely needed because I was so busy all the time. Like I had no time to do anything else I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it definitely was. It's been a transition. Yeah. But as far as hip hop goes, we have taken a big blow because we, we a lot of our money comes directly from the stage. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like especially in the entertainment industry, that's probably been the hardest part. Like I've been doing, I did a few outdoor shows for comedy and stuff. Right. Um, some clubs are open and we've been taking COVID precautions for that, like here in the Midwest. But I definitely, especially for my friends who are on the East Coast and the West Coast, it's just kind of been you know, kind of a hit or miss situation. Like it's weird to see people doing shows on rooftops. But Real talk. Yeah, it's just a, it's a different transition. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are really making the most of it. But money-wise, it is hard when you have an income. Because I, I, I thought I was kind of telling you, I worked at a hotel and then it got shut down in March just specifically because- mm-hmm who's traveling right now. Right. So it was like crazy because you used to have people going in and out and mm-hmm. then it's just a dead zone. Like it was so quiet. 
it's like kind of like weirder people come out of the woodwork. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, that is literally how it is when you step on stage and it's like eight people in the crowd and they're all spaced out, especially hip hop. It, it goes off a of reaction. Right. It's a lot of call and response. Right. You know? Yes. So if, if, if I can't get a, it's so awkward to stand on, on the stage and it's like one, six people in the crowd and they're all spaced out. And it's like, you can't even see them because the light's blinding you. Nobody can confront the stage. It's hella awkward. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the things I can check on my bucket list. Like, I, I perform for, for a crowd intentionally for very few people. Yes. <laughs> I yes. did that on purpose. Yes. I mean, and that, that sometimes happens. Like, in comedy, you may not always have... I'm just like, you know, sometimes there isn't always an audience. But, you know, it, it's just a weird... I hate to be like, what weird times? Because everybody says that. <laughs> so I'm just like... But it is just so strange. So I, that's why I was like, I got to ask Bates about that. Just because you're right. Like, doing hip-hop and watching rap. Like, I've been to a few concerts. And it's, it's crazy because it, it's all about reaction. And it's a right. way that, like, even seeing Nelly perform, one of my all-time favorite concerts specifically because the way he interacted with the audience, the way he had, like, his people in the back. Like, and so it's it's crazy to think about a rap concert and having, like, <laughs> eight people there and you're like, hey. Everybody say hey. And, like, three people were like, hey. hey. Through their mask. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like, you can't see anybody. Oh, my God. I totally. Oh, my God. That is the. Like, was there a certain venue where that happened? And you're like, here I am. (laughs) I did. (coughs) Excuse me. You're fine. We got some water. We're good. I did. I did, like, an open mic. Um, Yeah. I was a headline at an open mic. Yeah. Like that. This was a couple months ago. And. Uh, it was already a weird setting because it's majority poetry. Yeah. It's Ooh, poetry based. Yes. And that's how it got its roots. So I knew what kind of people would be in the crowd and what kind of message I would, what, what I would say. I'm not finna do the trap music. I'm getting ready to do something that has a message behind it so it could resonate. Okay. So here, actually, that was the better one of the two. That was actually like the reaction from this maybe 15 people spaced out far was enough for me to be like, you still got it. Even when you can't move out of this box. Like, I had to stand in this little thing. Like, it was weird because it was a live filming. So mm-hmm. I couldn't go past, like, the back of this chair. And I had to just wrap here, <laughs> which was already <laughs> awkward, right? <laughs> so all of this is happening. And it's a lot of hand motions. And you got to express yourself with your face. And it was crazy. But it was a great performance. I got to see the footage of that. And it was like, oh, that's dope. But the other one was actually Workfest. Now this is a live production, and it got this at it's at um, the dark room. Well, yes, uh, right up here mm, the, at the, the Grandel. The it was at the Grandel. Mm-hmm. So we're at the Grandel now. Mind you, I would love to have played at the Grandel any time of my life, right? Mm-hmm. But when I get to play at the Grandel, it's eight people allowed to be in the <laughs> building, and I'm like, oh my god! So I'm on stage, and like the lights are blinding. You can't even see anybody. You can imagine it, people in the crowd, because you can't see that nobody's there. <laughs> nobody's like, in the so, crowd. Okay. <laughs> so I get my, I start my piece. I do my piece. I get my, I get my issue off, and it was like you don't even you the people are like woo woo and that's all you get <laughs> it was so just crazy. the way you say it is just hilarious it's like woo <laughs> woo yes. that's the person closer and the person behind <laughs> woo woo <laughs> but that's kind of how like if it makes you feel any better now this last i hosted an open mic at the funny bone on sunday and it went super our last sunday and it went really well but there are times where 
I've been not just to the funny bone, but there's just been like when open mics first started coming back and you're like, right. I'm a little rusty. I'm going to start doing some material and you're doing it for like two people. <laughs> but sometimes like because it's only two people, they don't want to, they're almost embarrassed to react a little bit. Right. So it's the same feeling. Like you just hear like, right. uh-huh, it's or they're like, just I smiling need at you. you. <laughs> to say something. <laughs> just please just interact with me. Like anything. <laughs> I don't know. So I, trust me, and I, I feel like that's like even, what's interesting even too, like some theater companies I saw during the summer were doing like shows and trucks of cars and stuff like or you know like the bed of the truck and yeah. i don't know people are trying to make it work but it, it's right. just like what you said you get a dream venue like the grand dollar eight <laughs> old people i was like yeah and they were all the artists that were booked and, and the crew it was oh no spectators god. it was only people who were getting ready to record for the live stream oh my god it was like are you kidding me i'm i'll get on the stage it was like wow that is the best thing i i but i it's so true i'm so glad you were honest about that because there's so many performers right now who feel the same way so you're not alone (laughs) i'm probably one of the very few that actually got a chance to perform you know i have a band so i have band band strangers okay so they are man during especially during the heights of like the pandemic like i'm not and my drummer was having surgery on his damn ankle, so we, he got lucky. You got you got to do <laughs> surgery while it's a pandemic and nobody right. can go anywhere. You man, God must really not want you to miss your money because right. you, you right. clearly <laughs> had the perfect timing. But like I might like my bassist, she's already like compromised, so she didn't want to like rehearse. Doesn't want to do anything. Like it's like ah, so I'm actually got a Zoom meeting with them tomorrow to just try to pull them back. Please don't leave me. <laughs> Hi, we're still here. <laughs> Please don't leave me. I love you guys. <laughs> love you all. Oh my gosh. The, oh, that is seriously. There is a lot of a uh, lot of relatable <laughs> moments in that whole story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my reality. Oh my gosh. Well, it's trust me, especially in the entertainment industry. That's that's the reality of things right now. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to talk about some of your accomplishments too. We'll talk about pre-pandemic. Okay. We'll go back to 2015. You were awarded the best female hip hop artist in the St. Louis Underground Awards. Yes. That's yes. kind of cool. Cool. Let tell us about that. That was that award. Actually, I just saw the pictures of that today because the girl who presented me that award is her birthday today. Oh, and she's happy the birthday, Daisha! She's <laughs> actually energy is her stage name, and she's actually the person. <gasps> Wait, what's her last name? Uh, Daisha Polk. Yes, yeah. we're newly friends on Facebook. Yes. Okay, and yes. She, today is her birthday. <laughs> oh, happy and birthday! She's actually the person that throws the the uh, open mic. Word up, open mic! Yeah, I've been right? wanting to do her mic. <laughs> I friended her on Facebook because I run the St. Louis Independent like comedy website nice. and so I post like all her stuff and I'm like I just need to meet you when is this ha- so one Tuesday maybe tomorrow <laughs> right. go on over yeah, yeah go tomorrow's her she's actually throwing her birthday celebration at Word Up oh, so that's tomorrow be a good day to swing by how cool well, I would totally hilarious. be there if I didn't have to like do regular people stuff oh you know like normal things <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. but like absolutely but not to interrupt I just was like wait a minute welcome to St. Louis just like what a small world but right anyway, continue but yeah that was my I had the year before I had yeah Sir Pat I had no the first one I got in twenty when I got it in twenty fifteen. That was after I released the Great Debates. Yeah, I was working on an album at the time when I was awarded that, and it was like, what? I actually won it because the year I had I had been nominated for multiple years and then I win. Mm-hmm. And after that, though, after I won it, I said, okay. I looked at their their. I was I was into my like film fest stuff. I was well, I was running a company called Femsy Nation with f- four other female artists, right? 
And I looked at the nominations for the year I just won, and there were no women nominated in any other category except female artists. Wow. No best album, no best video, no no artist of the year. Like, So that made me think, like, what do I need to do to make sure I'm nominated? So the following year, I ended up winning... I thought I got nominated in five categories, but after asking some questions and figuring out what I need to do, I had to have a project out, I had to have videos out, I had to have all this stuff done in order for you to be nominated for certain categories. Oh, yeah. So once I got all that done, I applied pressure, and I was the first woman to ever win Artist of the Year, uh, Album of the Year, Video of the Year. First one ever. What? That's amazing, though. and came what? back and kicked their ass the following year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Album of the year. And oh then I got uh, Best Female Artist. And the following year, they didn't have a Slumfest Awards. But, the fo- but the, I bowed out at seven awards, which last year I got um, Artist of the Year again. Oh so my I God. bowed out after that. I got well, seven. I mean, here is the thing. And I don't even like, you're grinding. But like, you really are. Like, I, like even that's how I knew about you was, again, I saw you at that talk and then I started looking up your music and I was like, oh, I'm really familiar with this. And then um, I had, before we even started doing filming, Precious J, who I told you is yeah. a comedian friend of mine, yeah. I had her on and this was again like last year. So this is like when I'm sure you guys were all planning everything. She's like, yeah, I'm partnering up with Bates and then Miss Tigga as well. Mm-hmm. And you guys were doing FemFest and all. So I was like, yeah. oh my God, well, I'll just have you all on when this is all. And then obviously like all of this stuff happened. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. So I was like, well, I'll just have everybody on like individually and see how this all goes. <laughs> yeah. But what I, like I said, I love your music just because, I mean, it's got some like great rhythm to it as well, which I know sounds like a very like White girl, thing thing white, white girl thing to say. <laughs> so That's right, like, literally, it's got some great <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> Weird thing to say. <laughs> like, it was like, it was like a very, like, let's just be honest. Wonderful. Yeah. I was like, I was about to say, it was like, oh, I feel like you have a good sense of humor, too, so you get, like, yeah. where I'm coming from. But I was yeah. like, let me just make sure I'm, like, polite and I'm not being weird. But I'm glad that you got where I was coming from. Uh, absolutely. So, like, I was just like, I was like, just, you know, making it It was predictive text. Like, if, yeah. if I was typing it yes, in my phone, that, it would have yes, never came that's what I was, I was just like, oh, my God, she's going to be like, okay, Molly. But <laughs> I Molly. <laughs> like just so happens her name is Molly. It's Mo- I know. Also like the, like well, here's the thing. So my name is Molly, right? But it was named after my it was meaning me. Uh, I was named after my grandmother, whose name is Amalia, because it's oh. Italian. So I'm like, why didn't I get, like, the cool name? And my mom's like, well, Molly was a nickname and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, well, wow, now I feel really cool and interesting. <laughs> cool. But the, um, back to Bates, though. Thank you. The um, You also won, yeah, you won Album of the Year, Slum Fest. But let's talk about the Four Colored Folk just because... The Riverfront Times did a really great quote on it. So if you don't mind me reading it, oh, no, I just wanted to talk Shout about to the it. Times. Yeah. So um, yeah, the Riverfront Times, for those, of, again, who are not from St. Louis, because we do have some listeners outside of there, they are a local news, like not station, but they still do a lot of reports, things like that here. And what I loved was the quote, because they said, for colored folk is a navigation through spiritual, social, and political minefields, a crossroad of intersectional issues that she attacks, she meaning Bates, attacks head on while aiming straight for the gut. 
which is always how I feel about your music. <laughs> Throughout its 15 cuts, Bates never meets the audience halfway. Not a single track comes sugar-coated, and she splits with a brash vibe that respects the time and intelligence of her peer or peers and fans alike. That was a great crazy quote. quote. Yes. Like, wow, <laughs> they said that about me. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I was like, I even like wrote it because I'm old school. I wrote it down because I was like, this is because I was like, you know, I can ask you all about your album and you talk about it obviously as well. But how do you feel that something like a big news, you know, arena like the Riverfront Times kind of captured your work like that. That was literally exactly what I felt like I was doing with the album after he said it. After he wrote it and I read it, I was like, that is what I was trying to do. You know, you made me realize that's what I was trying to do. Yes. Like, I'm like, unrepentant and direct. And it's, and I try to balance that with uh, technique. So... All of those things like mixed together, especially during the times when I wrote it, because that was during the after Mike Brown was murdered and the protests and the riots and everything had happened. And for Color Focus, my response based on my history of dealing with racial issues, along with you know what what those times meant to, uh, spoke to me, what how they spoke to me. So when he said that, I was like Jesus, like it actually. That's the that's that's the album that won album of the year. Yes, you know, so mm -hmm. that was like wow, you know. I just I felt like I finally did something that was impactful. Like like the year before, I did the Great Debates, and I mind you, I was fresh out of college, so I was still mm -hmm. writing in like I wrote for the school newspaper, and I was in like yeah, uh, what was it? Uh, your English lit. Honors. So I'm like writing like hell. So I was still in the mindset of writing subject based. Yes. So those subject, but that I took that knowledge and applied it to a subject based album and just kept it funky the whole time. Like I addressed a lot of different things in that project. And it's mm -hmm. not all about like black folks, but it is the name of the album is for color folk because it's a message that is meant to, it's meant to move you in some sort of way if you come from my demographic. Right. I love that. What a, like this is just Anna, you're just great. But speaking of great things, I was <laughs> about to you. say I was about to say I was trying to think of like a great Riverfront Times quote that I could say back to what you just said, but I'm just going to say that you're awesome, which I think that everybody's going Thank to agree you. when they listen to this. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to actually segue for a minute. You have a new single coming out, yes. or do you want to talk about that? Or that it's out, but you're pushing it. Right. <laughs> right. Either way, it's out today. If you haven't heard it before, it's new. So mm -hmm. it's super new right now, uh, especially since I, it came out during COVID. Yeah. So it's super new to a lot of people. I have not performed it yet. Yes. So, um, but yeah, it's City of Demons. Um, last year, 2019, I went through a lot of loss in a lot of different ways. So, like, I had, I was in a four-year relationship that didn't work out, um, left that situation. I had friends, lots of my friends died, uh, very close friends of me, of mine, like, maybe about a good seven or eight of them, all for different reasons, but most of them were killed. Um, some of them OD'd, you know. I'm sorry. Uh a lot of people who, like, made it possible for me to do the things that I was doing, you know, uh, when I first started, passed away. Um, I moved from where I was living to back into the city. So that was a total change. A lot of pieces of me had to die in order for me to 
get to where I'm at now. So the name of the album that that's, that this song is on is called My Homies Is Dying. And this song, City of Demons, is pretty much my reflection on what a lot of news, news this is actually one of the few songs on the album that are, that are that's relating to news clips and things that's going on with me at the time like things i saw happen to me things i things that i watched happen to my homies like i'm putting all that into one song and uh it's it's, it's not as, as sad as it sounds yeah when you hear it you know but that was i was intentionally writing like that i had my stevie wonder on writing something that's really depressing and making it sound happy like that's what stevie does a lot yeah. of yeah so um but yeah city of demons is my uh, breakout single produced by duke Wellington. nice thank you for explaining it and we're actually gonna hear it so here is city of demons My homies is dying, my clock is a one in my mind on a thousand is still all the time. My family straight love me, don't want nothing from me, ain't trying to corrupt me, just want me to shine. My enemies hate me, they hate all my greatness, they can't sabotage it, can't mess with my grind. My city a demon, the people, the reason I'm still in the trap and it's never gonna die, y'all. They call me a legend, report to the reverend to teach me to hate who I am. It's with a guy, I'm the devil, because I'm a rebel, I rebel forever in hell. So many judges want nothing come of it, it's dead at the moment it's made. Too many days with no side of a savior, but you gotta die to find out who was saved. The greatest depression, we begging for blessings, we grow to accept it, we dodging the pain. I can change, but my city's ways won't provide a way. Start to fade, dreams just start to fade, like I can't escape. I just say what I scared to feel and what I'm scared to say. Uh, if y'all don't accept it, I change to a weapon, so many get sick on their way. You gotta buy first, so somebody saw on a mission and leave what you shit on display. My city's so reckless, it empty the check all attention. Just neglect us, they beast and they snakes And vengeance so deep that your mama won't sleep Cause they viewing your body to shoot up your way My homies is dying, my clock is a one in my mind On a thousand is still all the time My family straight love me, don't want nothing from me Ain't trying to corrupt me, just want me to shine My enemies hate me, they hate all my greatness They can't sabotage it, can't mess with my grind My city a demon, the people, the reason I'm still in the trap and it's never gonna die My homies is dying, my clock is a one in my mind On a thousand is still all the time My family straight love me, don't want nothing from me Ain't trying to corrupt me, just want me to shine My enemies hate me, they hate all my greatness They can't sabotage it, can't mess with my grind my city a demon, the people, the reason I'm still in the trap and it's never gonna die. I took a trip to secure some shit and tap into my gift with the woman I love. Went through a stick, feeling down for a bit while the people above me pressed me in the mud. Watching the news and just watching the news, cause you know all the soldiers that died in the field. Checking to see if it's one of your homies, checking to see if it's one of your kids. Say mental health is a thing in the city, the trauma so deep to survive. You keep moving to all the corruption, turn into a suction. You feeling the music, the shit like a movie. They picking us off, even good niggas dying and killing the fighters. Are we even human? If you ain't a collar with millions of Dollars if it's in your power, don't move the same boys. We organizing, we having these meetings, we feeding the kids and they say these solutions. We keep on marching and preaching by hope, but it's gonna be years where we see some improvements. The leadership, why ain't they writing the laws? The same legislation they calling inclusive. So I keep my head over water. If I have a daughter, I pray she don't have to go through it. My homies is dying, my clock is a one in my mind. On a thousand is still all the time. My family straight love me, don't want nothing from me. Ain't trying to corrupt me, just want me to shine. My enemies hate me, they hate all my greatness. They can't sabotage it, can't mess with my grind. My city a demon, the people, the reason I'm still in the trap and it's never.
All right. And we're back. <laughs> well. I know, right? Welcome to Showbiz <laughs> again. We, uh, You just heard City of Demons for those of you who are either watching it or listening to the episode on audio. Um, what? You know, actually, this is a good question. Is there a certain song that or the, you know, work that you've produced that's your favorite out of the work that you've produced? Or just do you just, does it just kind of just, ref- like, I don't know. I feel like. Like, sometimes I'll look back at my old jokes, right? And I'm like, oh, this just reflects a time of when I was, like, you know, the certain time in my life and when I was doing it. It may not be, like, my favorite joke, but just, like, something that just reflects that time of when I learned something. I feel like in comedy, at least, like, you keep growing and changing and whatnot. But is it the same for rap? Like, is there just something that's timeless for you or do you feel like you're always changing, always growing in it? It's kind of both. I'm always changing. I'm always growing. <clears throat> but I, uh, I try to write timelessly. Mm-hmm. I try to write where I'm not, where what I'm saying resonates forever. Um, I was playing for Color Folk. So that album came out in 2015, 2016 mm-hmm. um, for a girl who's probably maybe five or six years younger than me. And she's new to the music scene. And when I played her the album, she was like, What? You need to come back out with this right now. Like, this is what? And she was, like, super excited. Made me think, like, damn, like, this is my breakout album, mm-hmm. you know? And for y'all to, like, be that excited, that young, yeah, you know, made me be like, yeah, I'm doing something right. So I try to do that, and I try to keep, but, but part of the reason why it's timeless is because of my emotional attachment to the music. I make yes. sure that, that mm-hmm. I'm writing from a place where people are going to feel like that forever. Think these yeah. issues are going to resonate forever, you mm-hmm. know? So it's not necessarily like one or the other for me. I think that my favorites, um, I think a lot of the stuff on For Color Folk are, are my favorite joints. Depending on my mood, I don't know. It all depends on my mood. Like sometimes I listen to my stuff for if I want to hear like some lyrical crazy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Damn, I fucking killed that, you know? And then on the other hand, it's like if I want to hear something that makes you want to act, Want you, want, makes you want to get up and do something about your circumstances. And then, on, so I play that type of stuff. Or then I have songs where I, I want to feel, I actually want to feel. Mm-hmm. So, or I, and the reason why I play those is because when I wrote it, I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Like Black Bodies, on, on For Color Folk. Black Bodies is one of those joints that no matter how long I, it takes for me to well, no matter how how big of a gap in time i'm gonna always listen to that song and be like jesus like that's some heavy shit you know mm-hmm. and um i also have this song on strange woman which was my my set my sophomore album called uh open apology to a little girl mm-hmm. it's about and this was before me too movement it's about um an experience that i had with molestation and, and then it was like traveling through family members and i didn't know what was happening and my reaction to that was, hey, this is how I'm going to break my silence is through this song. And when I did it, it's like one of those songs I still can't listen to without being like, like people will listen to the whole album, get to that song and be like, can you go to the next one? Mm -hmm. Because they can't, they don't want to feel that way at the time, you know? Right. But I mean, I have my my joints that really like, like blow people's minds. Like, I think one of my favorite songs of mine is Suge Knight. It's got me, Kenny Knox, and T-Dub on it. And the three of us like, and, and Courtney Nicole and the four of us like killed that song, and like lyrically, like the, the video, everything's put together so well. But like, 
I don't know. I have a lot of my own personal favorites of mine. Some of the stuff a lot of people don't even pay much of attention to compared mm-hmm. to other songs, you know? Right. But I like the ones that, that, that mean something to me for a specific reason. Absolutely. And that's what I, again, and now that I'm like sitting actually down with you, because you can always like watch somebody perform and talk, but that's what I love about podcasting and interviewing people. Um, it's just because like I'm learning that there's all these stories and connections behind your work. And again, I love that you're so unapologetic about like, that's why I like this Riverfront Times quote, because they couldn't have said it better. Like nothing is sugarcoated. And I think that uh, even though my terminology lacks, I, um, I, I love your honesty about things just because comedy and theater are usually very, very honest. Um, what I'll ask you too is, you know, from what I've heard, and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong, in the rap and like hip hop industry, people say that it is male dominated. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Oh, absolutely on okay. every level. Mm-hmm. Every level from the, the people who make the decisions to the people who who are the burden, that have to bear the burden of the decisions. And to the imagery, to the content that you get. And that is why I had to take that step up and do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's why. Like, so I came up, me, like I was saying, uh, we started a company called FMC Nation, which was really like a collective of women, like putting opportunities in place for women in order for them to uh, have an even playing field with men in the, in, in the industry. And... It's funny because it's this uh, artist from here named Skittles. Okay. And she's uh, me, she and I were reading a Riverfront Times article about the top ten rappers in St. Louis, and there was not one girl on on the list. And that's what sparked me and her got to talking about it and started bringing in other people. And mm-hmm. we all all the female rappers ended up being like fifty of us on this on this post. What? So. I went and made wow. a chat. So yeah. I went and made a chat, and it's like 50 female artists in the chat. Then I put together a montage of, like, uh, female rappers and, like, what we had to say about it. It never got released, but it was, like, 21 of us on that song. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, I said, I really wanted to do I was watching Slum Fest, and I was looking at all these different fests and stuff, and I was like, you know what? How about I can just do a fest just for women? Like, just us, like, female rappers, singers, dancers, poets, uh, all the vendors of women, the hosts of women, the DJs of women. Uh, only people only we need as men is the venue owners <laughs> and the doormen, <laughs> like, and security, right? Yeah, all the things. And <laughs> so FemFest has, we, it was actually scheduled for May 9th this past year, but, you know, COVID. Yeah, of course. And that was the first one that was going to be outdoors mm. at a female-ran venue. Yeah. It was getting ready to be smoking, but I mean, come back next year. But we've always had it in the winter, so this is my first time doing it in the in, in the warmer months. Yes, and it was like a beautiful day. And instead of you know it, it being on like any random Saturday, it was the day before Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. So I had it planned to the T, man. I had it planned to the T. <laughs> but um, Precious J is who she's one of the she's one of the official Fem Fem Fest hosts. Yes. And she also does a lot of other fan fest events. Like I do living singles. We yeah. do brunches. We do. She was, yeah, she was stuff. talking a little bit about that on her episode as well. So I kind of am familiar with, but you're also kind of enlightening me on things that I yeah. obviously didn't know. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She still gets a little, she was getting, she gets a little nervous now, but she used to be really nervous then. I used to be like, oh, you're going to kill this shit. Don't worry. Like I would just hand her the mic. Yeah. She'd just go, you yeah. know. Sometimes it just takes somebody to tell you that you got it. You know, you could just do it. Just do it. Doesn't matter what nobody thinks. Just do it. Like, 
women are, tend to be very self-conscious about beauty and so many other things. So right. Mm-hmm. We, uh, like, just get up there and do your thing, man. Don't worry about what nobody got to say about it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if you leave off this stage and you feel like you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't. But I encourage everybody to keep pushing, like, don't let this industry tear you down. Uh, that's part of wh- the reason why I'm marking myself like I do in, in the particular way that I do so that I am able to consistently be competitive amongst the uh, in, for my demographic because what I see a lot of women doing that has, and that right now we're f- facing this backlash tremendously, uh, but it's really unwarranted, is like with Cardi B and Making the Stallion, Mm-hmm. And we got Mulatto out now. We got City mm-hmm. Girls. Like, they're, they're sexually explicit lyrics, which is not brand new. This has been happening forever, right. you know, on both sides for men and women, especially men, you know. Um, now the question is, where are the other female rappers? Why aren't they doing anything? Where I come, why don't we hear about this type of stuff in the music? Why don't we hear about that type of stuff in the music? And the thing is, is that we've been writing this type of stuff in the music. Mm-hmm. It's just that these people are not playing the music. The people at the top don't want to put it on the shelves. The people, the people at the bottom don't want to write it because they're not getting played. Like then you got the in between guys, like the managers and the, and the producers and the CEOs of these of these uh, independent record labels, and they uh, literally turn these women into sex objects before they even, without any publicity, before they even get a deal. You know, so that's been something that has been one of the largest obstacles for me as an artist. Um, I, I could say that how I approached that was being more in my niche, right? Making sure that I say what I want to say, no matter what. Yeah. And that's how I got my respect. I don't write for anybody but what I want to write, what I want to write for. Like if I want to write a song to make white people dance and do the damn jig, then that's what the hell I'm going to write. You know, I don't write for anybody. And that's why I've been successful and, and have longevity because like, you can't put me in a box. Right now, they're trying to put all the female rappers in a box, and they've been doing this for years. We had a drought really? already. Mm-hmm. We had Nicki Minaj for like seven or eight years with no other female rapper out other than Missy Elliott, but then she pop in and pop out when she wants to. She a goat, mm-hmm. right? But when she came back in, when Nicki Minaj, when Cardi B and Young and May, like came back in, Young and May, Younger May was the product of, she's a stud female rapper, and she rapped just like the guys. She said the same thing about women that they say about women. So she was no different, and she, but she had the shock factor because she had some sexually uh, explicit lyrics. And a couple of times, like throughout the song, you were certain things that she would say that would be like, oh, my God, it's a lesbian saying that, you know, like that type of thing. And all of this has been great for female hip-hop artists, mm-hmm. but it's also been horrible for female hip-hop artists because we still have to fight just to have a voice, and it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. No, and I, like, just you even saying that there were, like, 50 other artists that joined on that one chat. FemFest is 54 acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. FemFest is, is 54 acts. Last, the last year was 54 acts. The year before that, it was 50. The year before that, it was 40. The year before that, it was 30. The year before that, it was 15. Mm-hmm. Let's go to show you that how many female artists there actually is just in the St. Louis region. Yeah. Like we talking Chicago, St. Louis, but mostly St. Louis. Just in St. Louis alone, this little bitty town, 54 female artists can get on stage. Exactly. That's what blows my mind that you were able to like bring these people together. Like, it's just like I, I, you know, and it's amazing with social media how you can do that. Because I feel that way, you know, even with, um, 
with female comedians, especially like, I mean, we all consider ourselves comedians, but there is some kind of like, a, and I guess you can like feel that too, like with women in unity, mm-hmm. like being able to kind of like talk to another woman who's like done comedy before, who knows the business. I guess like what I'll ask you is, you know, normally I'm like, oh, what advice would you give to somebody who's, you know, a girl or a woman or whoever, just like in the industry? And you were kind of touching on that. But if, uh, if there was somebody who was kind of like in your shoes and they're like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to start, you know, rapping. I've been like kind of getting my um, my musicality together. I've been writing. What advice would you give to them on that? On both levels, like, so you have to think about branding, image, marketing, music. So those particular things, it's really about what you want out the game. Like, if you want to be one of those types, the the... I would call it the stereotype. I'm not trying to sound harsh, but the stereotype of the female rapper, because dudes say, oh, well, female rappers only rap about uh, sex and money and taking them dude for his money and whoop-de-whoop. If you want to rap about, if you want to be that person, I'm, I'm for you. But the thing is, is that my problem would be is that there's not enough representation of everything like it is with men. That's the difference. It's not that we should, you should not be able to say these things. You're more than welcome to say what the hell you want to. Hell, they are. But the situation is, is that we don't have any backing making sure that we are all represented in some form or fashion. Um, just like they can have a Kendrick Lamar, a J. Cole, and they also have like a 2 Chains, and they also have like, like a Roddy Rich or somebody, that's only a future that only talk about getting high all the time, you know? We have no in-between. All we have is trap queens is what I like to call them. Now, if that's the route you want to take, get your branding up, keep your image right, get your social media game up. You better be on Instagram taking pictures and pictures and pictures and selling your sex because that's what they're trying to buy. They're not trying to listen to your music for real. You build up your following based off of how you look. That's not really my thing. Um, if you're trying to go to middle ground where maybe you want to you wanna sell some sex, but you want to send some messages too, that reminds me of No Name. You know, uh, that reminds me of Lake Kelly, right? Um, well, more so No Name than Lake Kelly because Lake Kelly reminds me more of a Missy Elliott type. She has her gimmicks, but she has like fun, upbeat music that attracts a lot of different people. So that's her marketing lane. She markets to people who like fun music. So when I opened up for her, she, it was like hella white people in the crowd and like hella like I didn't see any black women for real in the crowd. You know, I saw a lot of, I saw a few black men, a few black women, but it was mostly like white folks that was hip to her. You know wow. what I'm saying? But she was like Missy Elliott. Like she, she cold though. Mm-hmm. And she don't talk about white people shit. She's just fun. And yeah, like, she is really fun. Sometimes my community's thinking stops them from really tapping into our gyms, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Like a no-name, though, who says, keeps it real, still has her, you know, um, and Breezy. They still have their image. They still have that gutterness about them. But they can talk about sex if they want to. They can talk about real shit if they want to. Like, I like that type of rapper. That's more so where I'm at with it. Mm -hmm. But then you also have people like Rhapsody, who just was nominated for, what was it, a Grammy against Cardi B. She lost to Cardi B. To me, she should have, based on what I see the, the world is wanting right now. Not because Cardi had an album all about sex, because it wasn't all about sex. Um, but because Rhapsody isn't as relatable because she's not as marketable. 
she doesn't look like she should she would need to look to be able to get that message across. And plus her her production is so East Coast boom bap that that's the reason why part of, a lot of that you can't just jig to it in the club. You have to sit down and listen to Rhapsody. So but she has when she came here, packed house. So that just goes to show you that there's a there's a lane for all of us. It's about how you market yourself. Right. All of us. Like I Probably one. I, I probably had the, one of the best selling hip hop shows at Pops this past last year, mm-hmm. right? And that's because I marketed it towards the people that I know like this type of thing. But and I stick with my niche, and at the same time, I go grab other people, people in the crowd that didn't know that I did all of this different stuff, you know. So like me, <laughs> all this different type of stuff. So uh, yeah, I rock with like like I got this song called the Dada song. And it's hella melodic, da, 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 da. That's all I say in the hood, da, da, da. And when I perform it, it's hella fun and goofy, right? But those are the songs that make white folks comfortable in the crowd, right? Because they can sing along, sometimes on beat, sometimes off beat. You know what I'm saying? Never know. But they can sing along and not worry about, like, first, the political side of feeling, like, shamed for, like, being white. And then also not completely unrelated to street shit, just not understanding where trap music is coming from and why would I even be writing about this type of thing, right? But I write all of this music, but I write those types of songs so that I can market myself to that demographic. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wish more women would be doing is focusing more on the marketing aspect of it. Oh my gosh, you have like hit so many points because I like am all about marketing, obviously marketing this podcast, marketing my comedy. And it's like, it is like such a growing thing to like understand your image and how you want that represented towards people, especially when you're working different rooms and different venues. Cause I've performed everywhere. I've performed for like every demographic you could possibly imagine. And you're totally right. It's all about like writing. And sometimes it is kind of cool though, when you see your work. Cause like, like I said, even for me, what I love about you is you've got great musicality, but you don't sugarcoat any. Thing. And that's what I kind of love is that I'm like, sure, like this is like, like I said earlier, great rhythm. But at the same time, like, see, callback, comedian. Um, so, like, but at the same time, like, you're being so real. And that's what I like respect out of people more. Like, I feel like I relate to people who are, again, like, I know I've been saying this the whole episode, but I really respect people who are like, sending a message of who they are and the honesty that comes behind it. And then also being in theater, I always appreciate storytelling. So when you have a story behind what you're talking about in your music, for me personally, that always means more to me. Like there are people who are like, oh, I don't even know what it's saying. And I just I just love this rhythm. But you know, at the same <laughs> time, like I, what I think makes you so successful as an artist is that all the things that you just stated, like you're able to combine everything and make it so relatable to everybody. So that's, I was like, what's your secret? Just how do you do that? <laughs> I just like, I mean, I know that's probably rhetorical and you're like, that's just who I am. And like, who I, I guess it's know. all those intersections in my life. Yes. You know, just like that, mm-hmm. that made it like that. Yeah. Know? Absolutely. It, it kind of changed. It, you, like, I didn't I didn't just hang around one set of people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, one group of people, I was around a lot of, I've been around a lot of different types of people. And yeah. it's like, what can I write to make them, like, be like, that's dope. Yeah. Like, and it's always, like, sometimes it comes right in. Usually when I'm out, when people, like, apply pressure, it's like, that's when I got the best one for them. Like, mm-hmm. I got one for you. But I'm a writer first and foremost. Like, I've been writing all my life. So that's what my gift is and I'm able to orate that through hip hop but honestly I'm able to to relate to people and 
bring about a tearjerker if I needed whatever I need. So if someone mm-hmm. says, uh, let's just say, let's use who who had gave me a crazy different concert that I had recently. Like, okay, so like um the Heavy Anchor we were talking yeah. about earlier. Mm-hmm. That was totally weird, right? It was like <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I only had um like a couple of songs that I felt like what they could relate to. Mm-hmm. So at this time I had like a a self-written cover of the Kanye Power I had the Kanye Power beat, right? Mm-hmm. And I wrote my own song to it, right? And I performed that there. Yeah. And what I said was, it was the name of a song called Boycott Radio. And what I said in that song is like, I'm talking about like how hip hop is ran by these, the people at the top who don't give a damn about our communities and the rappers are falling in line and the consumers are buying it. And I'm talking about everything that's going on, but the way I wrote it, it was so high energy where that's something that I knew that a crowd of, white folks would, could, could understand because a lot of people feel restricted in so many ways. And this was my way of saying how I felt restricted and how what, what this and revealing to someone things that they don't, might not know and they appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And so, especially like for color folk, the joints on for color folk, black bodies, uh, pigs, where I'm just like FTP throughout like half the song, right? They love those types of songs because they're rebellious, they're militant. Mm-hmm. And we talking about like marketing myself to like the punk crowd, the 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 juggalo crowd, mm-hmm. like people who don't give a shit, mm-hmm. right? And that works with them. Yeah. You know, the hippie crowd, it works with them, mm-hmm. you know? So I wouldn't go to them and rap Suge Knight, two totally different kind of songs, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. So I got a catalog. That's another suggestion. I said people should just write catalogs for, for different demographics. I have a catalog for if I perform with these types of people, like a mixed crowd or if it's majority white or if it's, or oh, and I have one for if it's like a, more of a conscious scene where it's a lot of whole, a lot of black folks who are like super pro black and like mm-hmm. always like yeah pit fist in the air type black like I got something for that and then I got something for older people like people who love hip hop and like just like appreciate lyricism but don't want to hear about all the other bullshit you know right. I write for them too like. I don't have very much for kids, but if I did, it'd be like the Dada hey! song. Like, Dada song. I love that. Now we just have that like a kid-friendly event. I'd be like, and give it up for bait. It's so weird. I did a, a kid event last summer. Well, it was kids in the crowd. They were like, yeah, it's going to be kids in the crowd. I'm like, yeah, thanks for telling me that today. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Dada song. <laughs> What else do I have? That is the best thing. <laughs> yeah, so like some inspirational stuff, like feeling alive. I do for that. Like, um, I might spit an acapella. You know, it all depends. I learned my lesson after uh, after Cinco de Mayo, and I couldn't curse, and I didn't know. Oh, so, this was like three or four years ago, and. Whew. <laughs> Ooh, the crowd loved it though they were with me all the way but man the people that ran it did not like that they were like yeah i had an episode about censorship this was uh <laughs> i don't know if you know jb buchanan he's a comedian yeah yeah so he was like hey he's like a good friend of mine he's like i have a great idea for casually molly and i'm like yeah like because i'm like we're friends i'm like what do you think he's like how about like casually censored and we like we had a whole like 45 (laughs) minute to an hour conversation about censorship and how like certain venues run certain things and like mostly I'm a clean comedian but there's definitely times where like 
I mean, I, I, I do. I say fuck a lot. And I'll be honest, it comes out. Like, I'll even, like, when, I, even when I'm at my Juice. desk, I'm just like, ah! And I, like, I say it, and I'm like, oh, this is so unprofessional. But I told, and it used to happen a lot in my sets, too. And I had to kind of, like, go through that. But there is a, there's definitely, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's so funny. I did, um, it was a fundraiser, actually, for a vegan group. And it was, like, you know, a lot of, like, older like I was about to say like African-American mostly in the vegan group. And right. they were like Sunday church goers. And I, oh, I went to a gospel church growing up. How so are I both was of like, those together at once? Right. If they were like, it's like a church vegan group. And I was like, okay. Hmm. And they said, do you only clean comedy? You're the host. And then I remember I was hosting and <laughs> I was like in this fucking shit or something. And just <laughs> came out. And I was like, it was something I went my joke. And the whole room busted out laughing. I said, I am so sorry if I just offended anybody who's a vegan <laughs> or like went to church this morning on the Lord's Day. That's but how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> but they were all me. so nice. They were yeah. all, well, it was great because then I had three guys after me. Um, <laughs> it was a... Uh, Chris Sear is another one. Larry Green, you know him. Um, just a bunch of like so. local comedians that are here in this scene. They had some really great stuff, even though they didn't say like fuck or anything like that. But it was great <laughs> because I was like, okay, cool. So I kind of just like started out the road. <laughs> all right. Like, all right. Well, if Molly's saying this, like it's fine. But uh, it does happen where you're like, oops. But nobody was mad at me at the venue. But it like I was like so sorry to everybody <laughs> here. And the guy who was part of the group was like, oh, it's fine. Like you're very nice and it's no big <laughs> deal. But we did, JV and I did talk about that where it's just like, well, where you draw the line? And of course you name off people like Dave Chappelle. Uh -huh. or like Mich I, I hadn't seen his special all the time, so I couldn't comment it on it, but, or comment on it. But we did talk about like Michelle Wolf at the White House um, dinner. And I was okay. like, I think that was my equivalent to it. Where <laughs> I was like, well, I can't speak on Dave Chappelle's behalf, which I didn't really have an issue with his special. So, I mean, that's how much I am on censorship. But <laughs> yeah, I did talk about, I was like, oh, well, you know, like Michelle Wolf, like you have to do your research on people too sometimes. Like, right. you know, see like what their music is or what their comedy is. And everybody's like, oh, we're so offended. And I'm like, she never liked Donald Trump. So I never, I, I understand. That's and, probably why y'all booked her in the first place. Exactly. I knew she's going to talk some stuff. That's what like. I said. I was like, was this kind of like a publicity thing? You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. But that's just me. But speaking of like, like I said, you are very, um, like I said, very talented, but I wanted to actually ask you about, there was something about you released a mixtape called 1990 Raw. Yes. Can you tell, I just don't know anything about it. So can you tell <laughs> me a little bit about it? Yeah. So 1990 Raw is all on 90s beats. Okay. All the beats are from very popular charting songs from the 90s. Okay. So I opened up that with this song called Welcome to St. Louis to Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. Oh, okay. See, so, I saw that. This is how we yeah, do it. Yeah, some of them I stuck with the style. Like, <laughs> on, like that one, I stuck with the style on the hook. But yes. on the verses, I'm like, I'm from the show me. We only about that action. Hard to see you to make it, especially if you a rapper. Like, and I'm talking <laughs> about a bunch of different things that go yeah. on in St. Louis. And then, like... um, I got this song with, uh, what's one of the popular ones? Uh, you know the uh, song by Erica Badu? Well, um, The Roots featuring Erica Badu. Mm -hmm. um, if you were worried about where I've been or who I saw. Um, I was about to say, we don't need to hear me sing. I already worry, sang Montel that Jordan and that was me. enough. <laughs> but it's called You Got Me. And that song is one of my favorite, like, 
duos. Like my favorite song I've ever, I've one of my favorite songs I've ever heard a female feature on. Like it was like mind blowing to me. I loved that song when it was for, it first came out. I was like, who are these people? But um, I did one called uh, "She's Not Dead," and the song about that song is about hip hop. Okay. It's a, uh, and I was talking about it was in, in response to not saying that hip hop was dead, but um, in the whole song, in the song, hip hop is my girlfriend. Like, and we grew up together. Nice. And I and, and it's one line in there where I say, uh, I say, uh, we from the car, but where boxes where where boxes resemble freedom, the corner of the projects that the carcasses rotting and bleeding. I remember in the backdrop when King Rodney had took a beating, and it was I'm talking I'm talking about like these memories that me and hip hop have together. Like it's one point where I'm talking about how the how, how the mother the mother make you cut turn. I was like, you know, mother maybe cut 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 said the music was too loud and it made it seem like I was sneaking the girl over and the music's too loud, but really it's, <laughs> it's the hip hop is the music that is the girlfriend, right? So that. it was it was definitely it's definitely one of my favorites. That was featuring Courtney Nicole as well. Um, I got one on there to uh, bust the rhymes. Is put your hands where my eyes can see. Oh, yeah. I can't see. That's why I was like, because I obviously love nineties <laughs> music. So I wrote it down. I was like, oh my god, she has a mixtape. <laughs> yeah, it? it's on SoundCloud free too. I released that like a week before I released my album. Oh my god, it was god. a shocker. It was like bloop, and I just dropped it on them and like, yep, I'm coming out in a week. See oh my god, that. what a great idea. That that one was like that one with Buster is like I used his style on that one. Like I mimicked his style, but with totally different words, you mm. know. And his song, he's like, uh, "Hit you with no delaying." So what you saying, yo? Silly with the mind, Millie with the dilly, yo. While I be on the mic, as I do my duty, yo. While I'm in the cut, you be robbing the studio, something like that. And I say, money made a paper. I'm trying to get the bag. Put myself in places where people don't even ask questions about ability or if I get a chance. When they see me coming, they fear me in my in advance. Like that's how I came with it. Like totally different. Words, but totally different message. But like in the same like music, in the same like yeah. same same rhythm, same uh, cadence as Buster did that one. So it all depends on what the song is. Some of them are totally different, like but it's just the beat. But then those those couple ones are like yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh my, well see You'll now I know. It. I oh, are you kidding me? Do you understand <laughs> that first thing I'm gonna do? Well, I do have to like get some stuff out of the dryer. But once that's done, <laughs> I'm putting on my free mix tape. Yeah, that I, put it on my laundry first. Yeah. Laundry, you know. <laughs> I got drawers in there. I, I know, literally. I was like, I have my underwear in there. So, oh my god! Speaking of drawers, okay, I got a question. <laughs> so last night, right? This oh, is man. when I re- I took one puff of some really good weed. Okay, I don't smoke. Good I for you. It's one puff. It was only one puff. Yeah. And I sat there and I said to myself, "Self, I got about. <laughs> I got off the couch. I said, hold on, because this is making sense. I was like, why is it? That panties, briefs, boxes, drawers, even the dun duns are all plural. You, it's only one of them. And then my girlfriend, she say, because it's two legs. I said, so if I had one leg, it'd be panty, brief, boxer, da dun da dun. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I didn't hit the weed. <laughs> and it was like three o'clock in the morning. I got up like, hold on. Oh, right? Had a revelation. And somebody commented, I posted it on Facebook. <laughs> so, hey, this is a real question. Right? This is traumatic for me. Like, why is this plural? So, <laughs> like, this is a, totally be singular. Oh, 
posted on Facebook and the first person to comment said, go to bed, Bates. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. But after I picked this apart just a little bit more. But that's what happens at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, I don't, I don't even, like, really, I don't even smoke that much at all as much. I just had a podcast that I was on when, like, the lockdown was going on. Uh-huh. I talked about my early 20s when I had, like, an edible and all the fun things that happened. I was like, man, <laughs> I am not that fun anymore. But I feel the same way you do. Like, I would wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, why is this floral? Like, what is it? And it's so funny because you'll write these things out, like, is anybody listening to me? And people are like, why are you awake thinking about this? And you're like, this is, this is, I mean, has no one thought about this but me? Like, yeah. why is it plural? <laughs> like, it was perplexing. I was like, and then I went through all the underwear. But it's not underwears. Right. Right. <laughs> See, this is why I feel like they fuck with me, man. <laughs> it's the English language, man. It's the English language. It really is. From here on out, I'm putting on my boxer and my panty. <laughs> I am no longer submitting to your plurals. Unnecessary plurals. I got to have one leg to wear a panty. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just like when I remember when I was like, in, I was little and um, my one of my teachers one time was like, you know, when you get say I'm getting my hair cut, it's uh, it's that's not correct. And I remember being little because everybody's like, what? So, of course, like me being me, I was like, so what is the correct answer? And this lady goes, it's hairs cut. And I'm like. No, I am never sitting. I'm, I'm getting my hairs cut. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not doing Is that doing the possessive it. form of hair? <laughs> so my hairs need a cut. So I'm going to get those. Like, this is how long I was sitting on the toilet thinking about this yesterday. This is, <laughs> this is how I felt about panties. <laughs> With my two legs. <laughs> Looking down on my kneecaps like, yeah, no more of these shenanigans. <laughs> No more of this shenanigan. <laughs> I feel like if anything that people get out of this episode is like, listen to Bates. Also, don't submit to any plurals that you really don't feel like you want to submit to. Period. Um, because then the Riverfront Times will be like, no sugarcoating. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. it's all good. Yeah. No plurals. <laughs> Oh my God, that is the best. I'm definitely using that clip to promote this episode. Good. I'm like, yeah, speaking of. (laughs) Speaking of, actually. (laughs) I don't even know how we got there. I don't either. I lost it. I was like. (laughs) I just love, was it your girlfriend that was like, oh, it's because you have two legs. I was like, so. (laughs) <laughs> Which maybe is the I reason. Said, first, I was getting ready to be combative, right? And I was getting ready to say, well, the pants, you only put on one pan. It's not pushing on your pants. <laughs> and then I went down the spiral of like, well, maybe they did it because it's pant. And pant is also breathing heavily <laughs> after <laughs> running three blocks. And pant is also, and I went down all these like synonyms and antonyms and homonyms. And then, <laughs> then I said, you know what, though? You right. I got to add this to my Facebook post. I went back and edited and added in like, so if I had one leg. <laughs> <laughs> and at the 
same person say go to bad things? <laughs> uh, somebody totally different, which is even worse. This is like, yeah, I've outdone myself tonight. Like, yeah, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> oh my god, that's how I feel. I was watching. So I like watch such trash. I was watching the Real Housewives of Atlanta last night because oh, yeah. I was catching up on it. I'm like, so I'm so far behind because, like, you know how it is. You get busy, so like, what right. are you gonna? So I don't know. I'm just watching like all this, sh- all this shit just go down, and I'm getting like so into it. And I understand you just start thinking of these thoughts, and I'm like, I'm not even on the show, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe if this happened, if. Candy did this. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even know her. Like, I'm like, <laughs> First of all, you need to write your own show. <laughs> you need to be, you need to be your own candy because clearly you got a whole entire agenda for this lady. You need to be her agent. I do love candy. Candy coated nights, man. <laughs> I, uh, but I will. Great, great, almost get great segue for this last question here. Okay. <laughs> but um, so you are a St. Louis native. You are very proud of it. You speak about it all the time. Uh-huh. So let's talk about that for a second. Why St. Louis? <sighs> That's a good question. Why St. Louis? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like Jesus, and I'd have been born in any other place, Nova Scotia, anywhere. Like. <laughs> It would be easier for me. Nova Scotia. But gosh, I have to like sit here like, oh, St. Louis is tough. St. Louis is tough. It's like, I love where it's gotten to. Um, right before COVID hit, it was becoming, and I think it's getting ready to be like a big like avalanche of like wanting to see live shows, right? Mm-hmm. So it's getting ready to be great for us as soon as everything goes back to regular, right? Right. Uh, but St. Louis is tough, especially for hip hop, you know? A lot of the artists are not getting paid, like, to perform um, at all. Like, um, it's a lot of promoters and people taking advantage of artists. And, and hip-hop is really tough. Like, you know, a lot of paperwork don't be done right. And when it is done right, like, y- you're lucky. You know, but it's kind of like being in it for so long at this point, I've experienced some of the greats and some of the worst at the same time. So I've got, like, some... I've got the opportunity to be, like, with the Juggalo crowd and from St. Louis and at the same time, like, dealing with very, like, like high-up people, like, people, big money and big bank, you know. So it's been, it's, it's I think, the, the oddness of St. Louis and how it's so rogue and so unlike everybody else is what makes me love this city so much. Um, it's tough to break it break break as an artist here because we don't have an industry here for us. We don't have any major record labels. We don't have anybody coming to check for us. They steal from us actually, like, but it's not like a situation to where I feel like I can get out, especially in social media times. These are social media times anyway. It doesn't matter where you live. It matters where you promote yourself, where you market yourself, and if you can make a, a live performance there. That's all that matters. Like. City of Demons is doing way more numbers in South Africa than it's doing in St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. My debut, it got 40,000-something views in South Africa. And St. Louis, it was sitting like 4,000, you know. And But South Africa is South Africa. Yeah. You know, they appreciate that. They don't see many people who look like me who, who do what I do. In South Africa, to the point where when people, the, the, my fans from there are just like, if you ever come here, like, you are going to kill. Like, I'm like, well, I'm just keep on pushing my music there and I'll get there eventually, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, it's just amazing to see, like, 
like it's, it's amazing to be able to push myself outside of St. Louis while at the same time still living here. Because mm-hmm. most people, they, they pack up and leave and go to Atlanta. We haven't seen one St. Louis artist that moved to Atlanta. It's like almost all of them did at one point blow up from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You've got a whole other market. you got to compete in. you got to start from scratch. Yeah. You know, it's only been a couple of us that have left St. Louis to ever do Smino, mm-hmm. Ty Dolla Sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we yeah. don't have many artists that left St. Louis and succeeded. Right. And we try to do in other people's communities but they got they got their own communities to deal with what make you think they're getting ready to jump past all of them just for you you know you might be around more people so you that's that's something you take the trip for you right. know go down there and stay for a couple of weeks you know do that every every few months right but for me to have to relocate no nah, i'm all st louis all day i know what they're capable of but mm. sometimes it's like really horrible y'all but at the same time <laughs> <laughs> you know at the same time like i'm familiar with it so like honestly, a lot of my bag comes from out of town. So like when I when I tour, they pay me more for hip hop. Yeah. You know, um, especially like colleges and shit like that. Like here, you it's hard to get the colleges here to book a hip hop artist that's like actually doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know why that is. Yeah. Like considering like the only genre of music that's popping right now is the artists that made it from here are hip hop. It's mm-hmm. all like y'all would be more focused on your hip hop artists if you if you if you knew that you the greats were being born from here, right? They're coming from here and they're leaving from here. They're running from here. They're producing for people in the backdrop. They're writing songs for people in the cut. You're going on TV and you're seeing them. You're hearing them in the background of your commercials, but like they don't. It's, it's, I just don't feel like they value us, especially in the hip hop community, as far as like. Getting black folks to come out to hip hop concerts now. If it's like somebody don't know, ain't dropped the album in forever. Come to St. Louis, promoter puts them on, they pack the house for them. Spend forty, fifty dollars, can't find parking, drink stupid high. You can come out see a dope live show where we're not rapping over our own music. You're not rapping a song for us. We got bands. We got so much going on. Like, and we can't get y'all to come out for ten dollars. Like, and that's part of the issue that, like, that's part of the, the, the plight of the, the hip-hop artists from St. Louis. So, I mean, it has its great parts because we have a huge community of people, and I've been blessed to be able to spend so much time with so many of them where I see how great of a thing we have. Like, it's beautiful. It's just we don't have opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we have to create it for ourselves, which makes us the dopest, though, because in other cities, you don't have a hip-hop community like ours. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Everybody's an individual everywhere else. Here, we actually have... We know to go on Cherokee for this. We know to go to yeah. RIP, the Monaco. We know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All the different places to, to enjoy ourselves, you know, and find mm-hmm. a good hip-hop show. But as far as I feel like once this pandemic is over, we're going to rock. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. Like I said, you've already been, I mean, that's one of the things that I admire about you is I do think that, like, you've been paving the way for, you know, other artists to be successful so thank you for that and then what's really great is that you've been able to share your story with me so i really appreciate you taking the time out of your like i said i know you're like oh i'm not you know but you you are i know you're in demand baits so i mean i do stuff yeah she's like i'm just thankful that people are still asking me to do stuff so here's what's so funny so like i said i wanted to ask you on i was already kind of just booked and i my boyfriend runs the day at night podcast okay and he was like hey 
this is like, you know, a random question. You never know with him what that means. So I was like, what is what's going on? And he's like, do you know, like any female rappers that I can just put at the end? And like, you know that you're doing a good job when I'm sitting there in my pajamas with like a tea on a rainy night. And I'm like, Bates. It was like the first name I thought of. Like, not that, you know, I'm anybody special, but the point is this. But is, clearly I am. Yeah, clearly <laughs> she is. Because if I, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's so many other talented people. And like, maybe after this, we can talk about like some guests who you think might be great for this. But oh, yeah. um, at the end of the day, like, just the fact that like you're inspiring people, like, even just me, who's just, you know, like just some comedian trying to figure out her life, you know, like I was just like, that's Trying to awesome. change her laundry load. Trying like, to change my laundry trying, load. Just, just trying to change her laundry, man. Trying to do white clothes, trying to separate her whites from her colors. <laughs> I've been doing a really good at that, okay? Permanent press, <laughs> permanent press. <laughs> and I'm just like not submitting to those florals. But it was just like, and that's what I said to Jimmy. I was like, that is so cool that... You know, you like the fact that you just have such an impact on people. Like, I just really admire that. And I'm just, I, I can't wait to see you perform again. I mean, I kind of got a little Jesus. bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even, have. I don't even have any prosperous, any potential dates until December 5th. Like, I don't know if they're going to have, I, I'm actually being honored. Like, um, it's a award show called the Yours Awards. It's two years running. Wow, okay. And they're, they have, they're recognizing me for the Longevity Award. Nice. And when they said that, I was like, is y'all trying to say I'm getting old? Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, like, bro, <laughs> I almost got the little thug too. <laughs> that is the best thing. Like, hold, hold on, man. I was going to say, you're not that old. Nah, I'm not going to say how old I am right. ever now, don't you? Yeah, right. I'm never going to say it. <laughs> Shoot. That is the best thing ever. Well, <laughs> so yeah, that's, I think that's November seven at at Medici. So Ooh. I get to like. Go. Well, congratulations! They did I guess on your on longevity award. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> I was like, oh my god! They asked me questions of how you hey, how you tell orders to how you keep it going for so long. I'm like, bro, I just y'all didn't even know me other five years ago. But it's, I guess they did a, they did their research. But really, what it is 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 that the girl she told on me because the girl is the the dude that runs the show and him and his girl she knows me as a kid. So she been knowing how long I've been rapping my entire life. I've been so rapping this is my whole fault. life. So okay. yeah, she's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, Bates really deserved a longevity award because she been consistent all this time, and you know, I knew her before she was Bates. Like Jesus, <laughs> shut up. But no, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Oh, I'm, I'm very glad. Grateful. Well, speaking of uh, places of, you know, now that we know you as Bates, where <laughs> can we find you on social media? What would you like, just what would you like us to follow so that way for people who have been watching or listening, how can they get to know you a little bit better and the work oh, that you man. produce? <laughs> Absolutely, man. First of all, let me drop that cash app. <laughs> no, really. <You> can. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah um, it's Bates underscore STL on, on uh, Instagram. Um, it's Bates STL anywhere. If you Google me, I'll pop up more than likely first or second because it is a street here named Bates. But if you type in Bates rapper, Bates STL, and you Google. That's what I had to do, yeah. Because there was a street, engine. and I was like, why am I on, on, why yeah, am I on Bates Street? Yeah, that's not where my name <laughs> came from, people. <laughs> but yeah, that and um, like Facebook, uh, the page is just Bates, but like the, the handle for that is Bates STL. Um, 
Cash App if anybody wants to send money because, yeah, we can't perform. Or if you want to buy some merch and you got to reach my Cash App for whatever reason, it's at um, it's dollar sign Bates, S-T-L, that's B-A-T-E-S, S-T-L. And honestly, make sure you follow me on Instagram and all my social platforms. Fantastic. Just do the stuff. I love it. And just remember, you can always, I always keep hitting this wire. I do it all the time. <laughs> you could just casually subscribe to the Casually Molly podcast. We have episodes every week and you can look them up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can even just stream them on audio, you name it. But we are partnering up with Bates for the next month. You're going to hear some music from her, including her new single, but... Uh, one of my favorite songs from Bates is how we're going to end out this episode. We talked about you not sugarcoating Ooh. and, you know, <laughs> like Ooh. always being honest, which is why I love this next song that we're going to end out on. It is called Sorry, Not Sorry. So <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. What's understood don't even have to be explained, my nigga. Yeah. Yeah. I love y'all. I love y'all. Yeah. 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 Sorry, not sorry. Uh. I expected too much A cruel world tells you your best is less And it's never enough I think I lost a couple homies Cause they ain't acting the same Unpacking my shame While standing in the dirt on my name A soul bruise being abused I kept it quiet and sunk Nobody heard me yell for help But I screamed at the top of my lungs Till it disappeared on a nigga Then Freaky called and hung up Started to think that if I sink My niggas won't give a fuck Like where my niggas when I'm homeless And trying to crash for a night